0: The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Guerrilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT. Greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Spain, and welcome along. Bill Bennett, are you there?
1: Yes, I'm here, yes.
0: <laughs> so, uh, yeah, here we, here we are. We're, uh, we're online uh, today, um, so um, nice to have you in the virtual studio. Uh, How are things in the world of Bill Bennett?
1: Oh, pretty good, pretty quiet, not getting out very much at the moment, but then who is?
0: Um, Maybe you can deliver your uh, usual sort of fill-in listeners, Who, for those that don't know you, where you fit into this big wide world of tech and and media.
1: I'm a journalist, I write a lot about um, technology and business, Um, I have a blog, I've been doing this for so long that... um, you know i can remember when there wasn't an ibm pc so um been around forever
0: <laughs> good good well always always good to catch up always appreciate your uh, your insights and opinions bill uh, first up the, the i guess the top sort of local story which is uh, just just landed uh, today is that uh soul machines have raised pretty significant amount of uh, funding. Uh, US seventy million dollars which uh, at, at today's exchange rate comes in around hundred and five million uh, New Zealand and brings the total uh, external investment they've received to over two hundred million New Zealand dollars. Um, I'm not seeing the details just yet in in the share register of how that uh, how that breaks down. Um, but it's it's pretty uh, pretty encouraging, and you know it wouldn't be a surprise uh, to at some stage find out that uh, Soul Machines is a you know beyond a billion dollar business as a as a as a unicorn uh, if they can you know really um, well yeah well, I guess but it's a bit unknown at this stage, isn't there, Bill?
1: Yeah, it's, I mean it's probably about a billion New Zealand rather than a billion US. But yeah, uh, um, it's interesting that the um, it looks like the main thing they're going to do with the money is is hire a lot more workers, um, a lot more tech people, and a lot of those people are going to be working for soul machines out of the US. So, um, um, but the idea is, I, I guess, is to ramp up the speed of development, which is it's a story which um, it reminds me a lot of what happened with Zero, that they did exactly the same thing, that they they started taking on a lot more people, you know, as they as they got um, the the um, funding came in. They they spent it pretty quickly, just ramping up things and increasing their speed to market.
0: Yeah, um, I th- I mean that that level of funding definitely gives them a, a considerable amount of uh, uh, freedom and an, an ability to uh, to really really you know grow their their team, um, and look, I, I imagine you know that there's uh, there's there's a lot of work to you know to pull off the sorts of things that, that we expect of companies um, such as Soul Machines, and of course Soul Machines are in this world of of providing uh, the the digital human, the virtual human that you uh, that you chat with, or as they call it, uh, digital people. Uh, and so you know you might walk into a walk into a store and there's a there's a screen there um, with this virtual person on it that, that, that looks uh, you know fairly lifelike and uh, that you're able to have that uh, that that conversation with to a to a degree um, but of course this is the sort of thing that we w- we would expect uh, to see in many many more places uh, in the future and um, you know for it to be the, the sort of thing ultimately. Uh, that becomes very, very commonplace for uh, for you know businesses to utilize, right?
1: I think so. I think it also plays into the whole sort of metaverse thing we hear about at the moment too. Um, you know, it's, it would be ideal to have these people um, sitting on the other, on the other end of the line, you know, rather than uh, the sort of cartoonish characters that you see at the moment. But the the money isn't going into making the people look any more realistic. I think I think that is by and large you know, there or thereabouts now. Um, my reading of the reports about the investment is that it's going to be spent, a lot of the money is going to be spent on making the people act more like humans and, and respond more like humans and having more human-like um, brains, if you like, or the digital brains. Um, and I rather love the thing right at the end of the, um, the story in the um, in the, one of the US publications I read earlier today is that, Greg Cross, and, and Greg Cross is a guy I knew in the um, Auckland tech scene like 30 odd years ago, but um, he was saying that the ultimate goal of Soul Machines is so that you can have a digital version of you to do the work while you can sit on the beach or play golf. So, <laughs> so it could be, you know, before too long that the that, um, podcast is done by digital versions of us, Paul, and we're redundant, we're sitting on the beach somewhere.
0: Yeah. Yeah. When, uh, when we get to, when we get to that time, um, Bill, it's, it's it would be, uh, it will be pretty interesting. And of course, um, we probably wouldn't, well, we, 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 are not necessarily owned by ourselves at that stage. So it's, it's somebody else that's managed to, to replicate us and, yeah. uh, and create their own, uh, their, their own sort of, uh, version of Bill Bennett and, uh, uh, their own version of Paul Spain. And, um, and away they go. And uh, yeah, we might be, yeah. Anyway, um, I'm just joking around. But um, you know, we 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 certainly will see, um, you know, artificial intelligence and and um, you know, varying sort of bots become more and more useful over time. But I, you know, certainly don't don't think that uh, um, we're going to be disappearing uh, anytime soon, or the need to work. Um, but there will there will be more and more uh, things that are able to be uh, done by technology and uh, is able to free us up yet but uh, we, we still seem to be a, a little way off before there's uh, um, not much work for us to do and we can m- all move to the one day work week or or something thereabouts bill
1: yeah I want something that can do the ironing do the gardening. <laughs>
0: yes uh well I look all all of these sorts of things um i I imagine will be will be possible in time um certainly certainly the ironing we've got some some bots down that track haven't we um I haven't seen a um a home gardening uh, bot but of course no. there's, there's there's plenty of uh, plenty of tech being used in uh, in the agricultural field that uh uh, you know, it's been it's been a game changer over the you know over the last century or so, hasn't
1: it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and the, the other thing is is that um, soul machines is it's one of the more interesting AI projects that we that we hear about um, because it's something that's so relatable. It's not like a question of sifting through piles of data and sniffing something out that's a bit obscure and a bit esoteric this is something that you know is is very much operates on a level which anyone can understand
0: which bit of it can anyone understand bill
1: oh well i mean the end result i don't mean how it's right right
0: okay oh, just checking you there <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yep yep No, ab- absolutely and um i th- oh i'm trying to remember how many years ago it was that um you know mark mark sager who who you know founded soul machines was uh uh, spoke at at uh, at TEDx with this uh, what was it called Baby X back then, which is uh, is is now a name that um, gets used for um, um, Elon Elon Musk's um, most most uh, recent offspring. So uh, there we go. <laughs> All right, on to. Uh, on to other topics. Now, the um, we have this new draft uh, industry transformation plan for um, New Zealand's uh, tech sector, which has has landed. And for those that are wanting to to have a, a little bit of a read and try and get their head around uh, what what's going on, um, then you can uh, you can find this at the um, MB website, uh, Ministry of, of Business uh, and Innovation. Um, there's lots of facts and numbers and and stats in there. Um, bill, what are your what are your immediate uh, thoughts on this um, this this new plan? It talks about covering a period. It, it, it um, it's dated. Uh, January. It talks about covering a period for New Zealand from 2022 to 2032. Um, so, you know, we're talking we're talking a whole a whole decade here. Some vision for a decade. That's a bit I think that's probably
1: um a longer time scale than would be wise for looking ahead at tech, because things can change so dramatically. If you think back a decade, um things that are huge today, weren't even on the, you know, weren't even major back then. I mean, you know, an example would be just how big uh, Facebook has become, for example. That mm. um, wasn't the case 10 years ago. So, so I think that's, there's a bit of a problem there. The other, the other thing that worries me is that New Zealand has always had quite a loose approach to the tech sector compared to say Australia. Australia has been, has been very prescriptive. I mean, the Australian government tends to think it can order the um, tech sector around and, 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 and create things in a, in a way which is kind of reminiscent of Soviet five-year plans, whereas New Zealand's approach has always been much more laissez-faire and leaving the sector to get on with it. Um, and, I, and I worry that every time there's sort of a talk about the government getting more involved and more directional, but this isn't directional, that's good, um, and they're doing. They're, they're they're looking at things that are the uh, you know the most important things. The key thing, of course, is, is is about the pipeline of people to do all the work, and that's the issue which you know basically it all comes down to that. Um, and we're still not. I mean, we're not letting enough tech people into the country to do the jobs that we have here, and we're not training enough tech people to do the the, the jobs that we have here. And those are all issues that. I, I'm not sure government can wave, I mean, government can wave a magic wand and change the immigration numbers overnight. I mean, it, it can do that. Um, you can't force kids to go to school and learn technology. And that's, you know, that, that, that's not going to happen.
0: So... Um, well, you can, but it I wouldn't think, be very effective, would it?
1: Well, yeah, yeah.
0: It wouldn't be very <laughs> effective. Is it, is it? Yeah. A bit of balance required um, in schooling.
1: Yeah, I mean, and, and, and again, that would be kind of, kind of prescriptive and a bit Soviet in, in its approach. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I, my my gut feeling is, is that really a lot of this stems on how many people we can get into the country and how fast we can get them in. I mean, if, if we just look back to Soul Machines, Soul Machines is hiring a lot more people. I think it's hiring 120 more people uh, to work on developing its, uh, its, uh, you know, its products and so on but a lot of those people are going to be working out of Arizona and I think we want to ha- we want to have as many of those people as possible working out of our our cities here um, and that basically means opening the gates up and letting them in
0: yeah it was interesting because the um you know the 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 document actually has has a bit of a write up on on soul machines uh, a, along with um you know a range of others uh Create Tech. Push pay is is in there, so there's a bunch of uh, you know a a a bunch that certainly gets uh, gets reference and some pretty interesting numbers. I was looking at the numbers for uh, for 2019 in terms of you know how many people were uh, were granted uh, relevant uh, visas to be able to uh, to come in uh, to to New Zealand uh, for tech roles. And that number was, um, you know, well into the thousands. I think uh, about just over thirty six hundred. And of course, we've had a now had a period of a, of a couple of years where it's been very very difficult for people to get into the country. Uh, so we do have that, you know, immediate uh, pent up uh, demand. And you know, I imagine this is part of the picture why the likes of uh, soul machines are uh, making these these moves where they've got a lot of funds coming in, but they've got to uh, they've got to look elsewhere to uh, to employ them. Um, yeah. Certainly, I'm I'm hearing that from uh, from others that yeah, there, there's that. a real a real challenge. Yeah.
1: The the other the, the, one of the other things in that um, report, which I think is worth talking about, is um, there's a, there's a clear need to up our profile internationally as a as a as a tech destination now the problem with that is is there's 120 other countries which have got exactly the same goal and we're not really saying enough that's different from those other countries Um, and a lot of those countries are doing things like providing financial incentives and so on for technology which you know, it, it brings it in, but it's you don't want you don't want to bring it in at any cost. We so don't want we don't want to bribe people to come here for a few years and and, and um, you know and then leave again when the when the money dries up. So I, I I think the um I think the the profile thing is something we can do a better job with, and um, it's starting to appear. I mean, I was looking at the I was in, looking at the coverage of soul machines in the U.S. press before we came on to do the podcast. And I noticed that most of those U.S. stories did talk about it being a New Zealand-based business. Yes. And that's actually progress, because in the past, that would have been hidden from sight, and it wouldn't have been in the stories. But I, I think we need to do a little bit more... If, if only we could do the kind of marketing job that our um, agricultural sector or our um, you know, companies like Zespri and uh, Fonterra and Air New Zealand can do overseas. If only we could do that kind of marketing on our tech sector, we'd be there, I think.
0: Yeah, yep. There's um a lot of a lot of work to do. And I think that is one thing that we, we do often um struggle um, you know, as individual organisations as as well as on that sort of nationwide um type basis to um, to get that, that uh, to get the stories out, the storytelling to uh, um, you know highlight that it's it's Kiwis and New Zealanders that are involved. Um, yeah, I guess Rocket Lab has sort of falled, has fallen into that category probably for 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 necessary reasons where you know they've they've labelled as Rocket Lab USA. Um, there was a, a level of rebranding. Uh, there, and I, I imagine that was probably to uh, to facilitate the relationships with um, or the relationship with NASA and uh, yeah and the and the government. Um, so you know their situation is probably uh, somewhat unique. Um, well,
1: maybe it's not though. Maybe that that's I mean that does tend to be the case. With, um, with other tech companies too. They need to have those overseas relationships or they need to appear local where they are. Mm. But, um, but we, we can still brand our sector better than we do, I think, and and that would help attract talent.
0: Mm, mm. So, um, you know, we, we see Soul Machine sort of uh, mentioned more and more uh, in conjunction with with the metaverse and uh, um, you know soul machines um, uh, you know providing a a digital uh, a digital workforce now um, yeah, you've been writing about the metaverse uh, oh. recent recently uh, I was I was having a little bit of a browse of bill Bennett um, and uh, yeah quite quite uh, quite the interesting thing <laughs> Uh, piece you titled it "Gartner Falls for Metaverse Hype." Uh, share a little bit of your uh, your thinking uh, here, Bill.
1: Well, a, a there was a press release last week from Gartner Research Company, and Gartner is Gartner is usually quite deceptive, but the, this, this this doesn't add up. It says the press release says that by 2026, which is you know four years away now. One person in four will spend at least an hour a day in the metaverse. Now, it depends a bit on your definition of what the metaverse is, but let's say that it's that we're talking about the vision that Mark Zuckerberg gave in that in that video, which is basically an immersive world where you have a headphone, uh, sorry, a headset, and you wander around doing stuff in a digital world rather than the physical world. Um, you've got to keep in mind right that first off there is no metaverse today uh, in in that sense there are some games that have got metaverse bits in them and there are some examples of metaverse type things happening which one of which we might talk about in a moment when we get onto Samsung uh, where they had a metaverse type launch um, this week which was um, not a success um, but in general the metaverse is is, is still very sort of not there in any meaningful way. Now keeping in mind that there's a four-year timetable that, you know, Gartner Gartner say by 2026 this is going to happen. That means that for one person in four, that means that two billion people in the world are going to have to be equipped with the necessary hardware to run metaverse, you know, and that means things like the headsets and Uh, fast enough data connections, fast enough wireless connections around the house, maybe 5G, maybe powerful computers and so on. Well, it's not going to happen. You're not going to get 2 billion units of that equipment out into the world that fast. I think at the last count, there might be 120,000 VR headsets out there in the real world. So, sorry, sorry, 120 million. So that's got to go up by a factor of about 20. Um, it, it, it just isn't going to happen that fast. The things. Uh, the other thing is, when you make this kind of prediction, um, uh, and this is this is where um, I'm going to go. I'm just going to step away from the Gartner thing a little bit. Is um, it's common all through the all through the time I've worked in technology, I've seen companies make the kind of announcement that Zuckerberg made when he talked about the metaverse. I mean, there was one a long time ago, probably about 25 years ago, which Apple made about something called the Knowledge Navigator, which was, um, you know, uh, 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 a kind of slightly AI type of project they had. Um, Longer ago than that, I think it was in my my first year as a journalist writing about technology, which this year will be 40 years ago, I should point out. Um, I was at a presentation where people were talking about you will, you will talk to your computer and it will understand you within two years. And that was in 1982. And it pretty much took 30 to 35 years to get to that point. And, and, and this is the problem with technology, is that progress is not even. I mean, it's been for, for about 15 years now, we're told that autonomous cars are ready any day soon. And they kind of are, but they're kind of not. And And, and that's... That's the problem here is that some things don't move in a linear fashion from from you know the conceptual point to the point of delivery, and some things come along completely from left field and blow everything away so uh a, an example of that would have been the original internet which was which you know just came out of nowhere and since the days of the internet we've had things like you know bitcoin and um and Social media and so on; they've, these things just come from their field, and they change the way we re- we re- look at technology. So what I'm saying is, is, um, what metaverse are you talking about, Gartner? It's probably not the metaverse in uh, Zuckerberg's presentation, and even if it was, we're not going to be there in four years. Um, my, my personal take on it is that Facebook is going to run off and spend ten billion dollars a year or whatever, um, investing in metaverse type projects. It's probably the similar sum of money spent by other big tech firms. And a lot of that money will will come up with amazing developments, but it might not be in a direct linear fashion from today to that vision that Zuckerberg had. Um, it may be that along the way, something else pops out of their um, R&D budgets. Um, and that, that's happened in the past as well. That happened, for example, with Zero Park, where they They were playing around with mice and um and um icon based user interfaces, and that became the the original apple mac and its and its interface but that wasn't where Xerox was planning to go at the time, so what I'm saying is we can't talk about where the metaverse is going to be in four years in that kind of way
0: yeah that's it's a really interesting perspective because mm-hmm. yeah in in reality it's really important for us to be you know wearing our futurist hat that we're all you know thinking ahead and looking ahead but actually trying to um you know make these predictions which the you know which Gartner and and others do is such a crazy hard thing to you know hard thing to do and of course there are lots of interpretations of what you know what is the metaverse what is web 3.0 what is it what are the you know how do you um, you know how do you define that? Um, is it is it that it's it's um, you know distributed that it's got um, um, you know blockchain at, as a, at the sort of you know central core? Um, is it that it that we need to have a um, you know a virtual reality headset or can you do it uh, or can you know will will you be uh, operating in the The metaverse, when you're just sitting in front of uh, a laptop, a PC, or or a smartphone, Um, you know, I imagine it's going to take a lot of different forms and and uh, and shape. We have spent a bit of time talking about um, some of the New Zealand NFT type projects, which um, you know are, are usually. Intermingled into this world of of Web three and uh, uh, and and the metaverse, um, and was chatting to to somebody over the weekend um, at a function in relation to um, uh, Fluff World, and they've uh, la- recently launched their uh, I guess their 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 real estate with their NFTs, their um, uh, uh, Fluff uh, World burrows. Um, where apparently you're going to be able to hold parties in the future and uh, you might also uh, you might be broadcast from uh, in one of these these boroughs um, but yeah actually how and when all these dots join up and whether you classify something as metaverse web 3.0 or not um, I think there's going to be there's going to be some debate around uh, around you know how we how we draw the, those lines and you know even the standard tools that we use like uh, Zoom and and Teams every day um, you know as as with most technology they're they're evolving at a you know at a reasonable you know pace uh, I jumped into a meeting yesterday on Teams and I thought oh yeah I remember um, you know Microsoft un unveiling this exciting together mode um during uh during 2020 and uh you know meeting with one of their interesting folks on online to uh, to run through that um it's been in the product now for you know well over a year and um you know we probably i don't know not really use it but you know does that fall into the category and or, or will it in the future um and so yeah, it's kind of it's kind of hard to define. So, will they be right or wrong? Well, it, it probably de- depends on how you define a uh, a lot of things. Because a lot of us would spend would spend an hour a day, um, you know, on on video calls of some sort. And uh, if you if you apply some changes to our platforms, um, do we call that being in the metaverse?
1: Well, that's the thing. Its yeah. definitions is is an important part of it. But I, but look, I always think about technology. I mean, I keep in mind I've been doing this forever. Writing about this stuff forever. I keep in mind this story. Um, when Columbus left Spain, he wasn't looking for America. He was looking for India. He was looking for the East Indies. You know, because they knew they knew something was there, and that's that's where we are with tech. You know, we're looking for the metaverse. But before we get there, or en route to that, the research and development will come across other things. That's what I'm saying. And um, yeah, we, may, we may eventually get to that position. We may not. But what we will what will happen is there will be changes. But it might not be that change. Um, you, can, you, can, you can bet your bottom dollar that we don't see linear change in the tech world.
0: All right. Uh, a few other things. That we're hoping that we can uh, we can squeeze in. Um, I guess also, you know, somewhat connected to to that world um, is sort of the the, the dark side of uh, of what what can go on um, as as we move away from the benefits of of um, the traditional centralized. Uh, Reality, so there's there's I guess pros and cons with with things becoming uh, decentralized. Um, but there's been a bit of coverage around this uh, couple that were arrested with uh, somewhere over five billion um, in, in New Zealand dollars, if you were to translate it um, of uh, of Bitcoin. Um, so they were uh, they were arrested for. Uh, uh, trying to launder this uh, three point six billion dollars US uh, of of Bitcoin, which is you know an astounding amount, and in fact they they had only worked their way through um, a reasonably small percentage of it from uh, from um, the bits and pieces uh, of of coverage that I've read over the last uh, last few days. Um, so it was a couple, Heather Morgan and uh, Ilya uh, Lichtenstein, um, and uh, yeah, they've they've been arrested on this, and uh, um, just it's just a staggering amount of uh, of of currency to hold, and um, yeah, we understand, um, because this this sort of stuff actually is quite traceable and 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 transparent, um, you know, in the world of blockchain um that this comes from the uh bitfinex um um hack where uh what what was you know one of the largest cryptocurrency uh exchanges um you know had a had a huge uh, security um breach you, you no doubt have been been across uh, across this one um oh yeah Bill, I mean what do you think it's just such a staggering um well, you know, figure to to see, you know, that level of, uh, you know, a, a digital asset, uh, you know, disappear. But then um that we're we're seeing this traceability, which um,
1: well, is a, it's interesting, uh, isn't it? Because that's because that lack of traceability is the reason why so many criminals are attracted to Bitcoin, and and to cryptocurrencies in general is is precisely because they think it's not it's not traceable. There's one piece in the story I read um from the US about this that I absolutely love though, and that is just that at, at the point they held that money, they were richer than most tech billionaires. Not all the tech billionaires, but they were richer than the tech billionaires like Peter Thiel and so on. Um you know, so they were they were up there amongst the sort of wealthiest people in the world at one point, all on the basis of stealing a virtual currency. Which just tells you just how far things have come um, I think the problem with that kind of whirlpool is that some of these people they are they're just too clever you know they're too clever for their own good um, and sometimes that can blind you to some of the some of the really simple stuff. The other thing is is that when you're talking about a few hundred dollars in ransomware from um, you know, a firm because you've taken their data for a wee while, and you've got a few thousand dollars worth of ransom money in, in Bitcoin. Um, you can probably get away with it when you're talking about billions. There's actually quite a lot of incentive for someone to track that money down. So, um, it, it, it's, it's an incredible story, really. I mean, I, I guess there's going to be a film made about this.
0: Yeah, we've heard uh, Netflix uh, have already commissioned, uh, it that right something <laughs> yeah yeah, um, oh damn that was my idea yeah <laughs> so yeah yeah, you're very good at picking these things bill um and there there does seem to be a you know fair fair degree of um um you know detail around how they you know how they how they track the funds i mean they they did uh, end up being i think in a um where it passed through a digital wallet that they'd signed up for, in their and their names, uh, at least some of the the funds or where the where the funds went to, um, I don't have that information in in front of me um, right at the moment. But it, yeah, it was it was interesting to uh, you know to to look through uh, you know a few a few of the details, and you know we are uh, more and more the anti money laundering um rules and the the, the KYC, know your uh, customer um, protocols and so on are uh, you know, are making getting away with these sorts of things uh, pretty, pretty hard. So uh, you know, it's I think that we, you know, we're seeing some of the some of the upside of what can be pretty frustrating processes to uh, to, to go through and uh yeah it's you have a, a bunch of hoops to jump through if you need to need to do certain things that involve uh, involve money these days and uh yeah trying to trying to hide funds i think is uh um yeah not uh not necessarily as easy as uh, as people think so uh yeah it's, well, it's, it's fascinating to se- see this one
1: <laughs> absolutely i mean i'd say in a sense it's quite comforting that they did get caught so quickly um because it's a it's, it's it sends a signal to other people thinking of doing similar crime. You know, that it's, it's it's traceable. So perhaps you're better off going and robbing a Picasso from an art gallery. You know, if you want to get rich.
0: Mm. Um, yeah,
1: there's, there's plenty of Van Gogh paintings around the world to steal.
0: Um. Now I wanted to chat about the S22 Samsung's uh, Galaxy S22 because that's their their. You know their their latest and greatest, um, and uh, they you know they've been been showing it off over the over the last few days. Um, there did seem to be some um, um, some debate around the, the date it might get launched, and uh, seeing things online saying uh, you know people that have have pre ordered may well uh, may well get it uh, get it early. Um, of course, we've got a range of uh, a range of of models from the um, uh, the, the the smaller uh, size one up to the Ultra. Um, the Ultra seems to be to me that they've is just really the merging in of the the Galaxy Note uh, into the range in many ways because it's uh, um, but but with. With better cameras, I guess you know we've we've had that with the the previous S series that uh, you know your 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 um, top phone um, you know can have a difference in the cameras and uh, you, you, yeah you that. kind of st-
1: you, you kind of stole my story because I was going I was going to talk about that very point about the uh, the fact that it is a you know the, if you think back about what eighteen months ago uh, Samsung gave up on the note or they they halted the note brand. Um, yeah. And it looked like the end of the line for something which, you know, quite frankly was it was something that was just uniquely Samsung product. It was mm, it mm. was it was the whole area and it was it was a very good product. Um, and I thought I thought at the time that has to come back in some way or other, but it's come back. What they've done is, is as you say, they've they've consolidated their line into one in, in effect one brand, whereas they used to have a multiple brand strategy. But there's some interesting things there. That I mean, really, it's just about the name because the the new Ultra, the S twenty two Ultra, which is the which is the Note like phone, it's got curved screens. It looks like a a Note, so so it's almost as if it's just an, a name change for the Note range, and that's and that's it, which is which is kind of strange. But um, the other thing that Samsung. Samsung remains by a long shot the biggest uh, phone maker in the world, and um, its market share has been dropping a little bit in the last year or so, um, partly because um, Apple did so well in China with the with the iPhone 13. But the other thing that um, that struck me about the latest uh, round of phones is. It's a bit like what's happening with um, laptops. Is that Apple's chips are now so much faster than the alternatives that you've really got to have something special to to compete. And I I think Samsung can compete. Samsung makes damn good products. Um, you know, if I wasn't if I wasn't rocking an iPhone, I'd be rocking a Samsung. Um, and and they're, they're excellent products. But I think it's gonna make it really hard for everyone else in the in the phone business. And we're almost reaching a point now where where it's starting to look like a well, it's a three horse race, really. It's the um the, the Chinese brands that are, are really one brand, Samsung and um, Apple. And after that it's all rats and mice.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's um I mean price is, is is gonna come in um you know is gonna come in quite quite heavily. Uh, and you know we we see Oppo have got uh, they continue to sort of compete hard, um some some pretty strong products. Now one bit that didn't get a get a, a huge um a huge amount of attention was the updates for the S twenty two. And it's it seems as though we've we've got some interesting uh, interesting things going on there, in terms of Samsung committing to supporting their phones with operating system um, updates now for a longer period, uh, and also security updates. So I think the security updates. Ah, I think they're going to come in at um, five years worth of security updates and uh, four years worth of um, Android updates. Um, I've got a double. Just trying to get a, a confirmation on those. On that, um, yeah, they're saying up to up to four years of major updates for the S twenty two. Also their new tablet the uh the Tab S8 which uh, which looks very nice and they're going to they've got a bigger format option as well there with I think it's a 15.6 inch um screen or oh, I have to check that um so they've got three sizes of the the new um yeah S8 um this this is I think quite a um quite a game changer because they're actually talking um, about an S twenty two that you buy today, um, anticipated to um, to get you all the way through to Android sixteen, um, which kind of seems it seems very very Apple like. You know, we're we're used to um, one of the advantages of the of buying an iOS or especially a, a, an iPhone uh, being that it, it's if you know if you look after it well um that you can pass it on to somebody else or you can keep using it yourself for a really long period because there are going to be security updates and uh and operating system updates so i thought this was pretty encouraging and in fact they've sort of aced google even um you know outdoing uh outdoing uh google cuz you know google don't commit to uh such a long period on their uh on their own devices
1: Oh, I think Google's still only two years.
0: Yeah, possibly. Um, I thought they were, they were a bit, they were, I thought we we had a number of vendors at three years now, but... Oh, um...
1: uh, yeah, Nokia, Nokia is three years. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. The, um, yeah, well, um, you've got to remember, though, that the Pixel phone, although it's, you know, it's quite popular with a certain audience, doesn't even rank in the, you know, doesn't even rank in the single-digit percentage of the market,
0: it's tiny. So true. But one thing, just uh, as we wrap up, um, we launched, We did our our first um, social audio on Facebook uh, yesterday. So Facebook now has uh, Facebook audio rooms available in uh, in New Zealand. Uh, we know they've they've had uh, that available in the US since uh, since last year. Um, when I googled it, I didn't see any media coverage mentioning that this existed. I did pass it on to a. Um, a news outlet in the um, in the podcasting world, um, but uh, yeah, quite fascinating to see now Facebook uh, competing uh, with Cl- effectively it's a Clubhouse clone, um, and you know Clubhouse has has hundreds of thousands of uh, of rooms um, a day. I remember hearing that uh, per day. So although a lot of people think maybe Clubhouse isn't isn't still active, it, it seems to have millions of users on it um and and is pretty active but um you know often in and sort of smaller smaller gatherings but there are some you know bigger events i ran a ran a room there the other day that i think we looked in a couple of days later between the live room and the replays we'd had you know, over a thousand people um through so um yeah so you've got uh facebook audio rooms that's competing. With yeah, not only Clubhouse, Twitter Spaces, uh, Spotify Green Room, uh, and also been trialing out uh, LinkedIn audio events, which is is in beta, uh, which is is there compete in this area? So um, yeah, kind of interesting to see how flooded the market is for these uh, uh, these this social audio uh, cap- capabilities. Yeah,
1: when you have a good idea, it sort of sp- it- you know, it goes around the world in 15 minutes doesn't it and
0: yeah everyone
1: jumps on the bandwagon
0: so true and you know facebook have, have have done that before to great success they've you know they've they've had a very very big reach and it was interesting um you know just starting a a room on uh, on facebook an audio room on facebook and yeah we probably had a few dozen people popped in and out uh over over an hour period so um yeah, quite um, quite interesting to to see. Um, if you are interested in participating in any of these platforms, um, you can find me on Clubhouse. Uh, but in terms of the the uh, the other platforms, um, Twitter Spaces, uh, LinkedIn, and Facebook, you can certainly search for me if you're interested in uh, in in connecting or joining a conversation on any of those platforms. Because yeah, we are um doing some some experimentation on those as well as quite regular things happening on on clubhouse all right well that uh that brings us to the end uh bill thank you so much for um being on the new zealand tech podcast again you're welcome now we maybe remind people where to uh to look to find uh find find you online and and your content
1: um, probably the best place is BillBennett.co.nz, which has been a bit quiet lately, but that's because we're in the you know the New Zealand summer and not a huge amount happens. Um, but I'm just starting to sort of fix that up as we speak, so um, should be active again from about now, really. Um, and on Twitter, I'm BillBennett.nz.
0: Fantastic, that's great. Oh, thank thank you, Bill. And uh, yeah, folks can uh, can can track me down uh paulspain.com, um or paulspain across any of the, um, the the social media or social audio platforms uh, mentioned previously. So uh, thanks, folks, for joining us, and uh, we'll look forward to uh, catching up and uh, so on again next week. All right, see ya. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Guerrilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.